Hey there, and welcome to the Oxano Podcast. Oxano is a worship service for college students and young adults that takes place weekly during the school year at Dawson Family of Faith. If you're ever in Birmingham, Alabama on a Tuesday night, we hope you'll join us as we worship through song, prayer, and the Word. Thanks for listening. Hey, good to see y'all. Uh, my name is Ben, and I'm excited to be here with you. Uh, some of you might know me, some of you don't. If you don't know me, hello, here I am. Uh, Tyler is actually my brother, technically uh, brother-in-law, but I view him as a brother. If you know Tyler, you know that he is loyal, faithful, uh, and just a God-honoring man. So if you don't know Tyler, get to know him. But it's a joy to be here uh, at Oxano. So uh, it's been a while since I've been back here, like a few years. I used to work in the college ministry, but then I transitioned over to student ministry on the front lines in middle school ministry. So in our student ministry world, I spend a lot of my time investing in middle school guys. So you really, you never know what's going to get thrown at you um, or what they're going to break or what they're going to eat. Uh, actually, this morning I met with some guys at Chick-fil-A and one of my dudes, literally no joke, he ordered a Chick-fil-A chicken burrito. Uh, he ordered a chicken biscuit. He ordered uh, a frozen like lemonade. He ordered a milkshake which I didn't even know you could get in the mornings. Another week, he tried to order mac and cheese, and they're like, dude, we don't sell mac and cheese at 7 a.m. He got hash browns, and then he came back and was like, I need some chicken minis on his way to school. And that dude, I'm telling you, walks out that door completely unfazed. I'm like, it is iron steel in there. It is unbelievable. So you never know what you're going to get uh, with middle schoolers, but I love it. Love being here, serving at Dawson. Uh, I know you're going to get to hear from our student ministry team, uh, Brian and Aubrey, and I know they're excited to join y'all and, and to worship with you uh, on those coming weeks as well. Uh, a little bit more about me. So I think I have a picture up on the screen uh, of my family. That is my family and uh, my beautiful wife, uh, Beth. She's here tonight. And my beautiful daughter, Emerson Grace, uh, is asleep uh, right now, snoozing. So uh, she is six months old, about to be seven. Uh, she is just the light of our world. We didn't know we could love something as much as we love her. Uh, she's started like making sounds a little bit. So she's technically started saying like, mama, mama. Uh, and so Beth is loving that. And I'm over here and I'm trying to decide like, does it really count? Cause she doesn't know what it means, but we're just gonna say it counts. Uh, and I'm trying, like I'm playing all the videos, like the baby videos that are like, da, da. And it's like teaching them how to say da, da, you know. Uh, so when we watch TV, those are the videos we watch. Instructional videos on how to say da, da. But we're working on it. And she is just, I mean, a, we love her so much. Uh, and, and she's just, she's growing up too fast. So uh, that's just a picture of my family. Uh, and like I said, it's just a joy to be here. Psalm 23 is the text that we're going to be in tonight. Uh, it's a text that is an anthem passage for me. And really my goal at the end of this night is that it's going to be an anthem passage for all of us. And it's going to open up the window uh, to what it looks like to have a relationship with God, but also open up the window uh, and our understanding about how good this relationship 
really is. Uh, I just want to pray over this word that I just tend to it well uh, and that we are ready to receive this word. So I would just ask as I pray, I'm, I'm just going to pray aloud. If, if you could just be praying to yourself individually for me, uh, that would just be really appreciated. If you could just pray that I steward this word well, uh, that I teach it faithfully, uh, and that I communicate it in a way that honors the Lord. So I'm going to pray for us, and if you could just pray for me, uh, that would be greatly appreciated. So God, we are here, Father, and we just are gathered. And I, I hope we realize in this place right now just what a miracle it is to be gathered here, to be gathered with brothers and sisters in Christ, singing and hearing about you, a holy, sovereign, set-apart God, a God that we should have nothing to do with, but God, you have opened up the door to your heart. You have revealed yourself to us. Father, I am immensely thankful for that. I know I'm not the only one. God, I pray that you speak to us in this place tonight. God, may the words pierce our heart in ways that we didn't even know our heart needed to be pierced. God, may you be glorified. May your name be the only name that we remember tonight. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, a little bit more about me. So I went to Sanford University. Any Sanford folks? I know probably a good amount. Yeah, I know probably the young adults in here, y'all uh, also probably went to Sanford or are in graduate school, fun stuff like that. Uh, I went to Sanford and uh, one of my roommates is here. He leads consistently here, Andrew Morris. Uh, in college, we had a Buffalo Wild Wings group. I know you're thinking, what in the world is a Buffalo Wild Wings group? Well, Buffalo Wild Wings on Tuesdays, they just kind of altered the deal, but they used to offer like buy one, get one free wings, okay? And so they would offer this deal. And of course, college students, we were like, hey, we're going there. So we formed a club every Tuesday. We're meeting at Buffalo Wild Wings. The club actually grew to like 30 people but then they kicked us out of our own club. There was like an uprising and we got kicked out of our own club. I don't even know how that happens, but it happened to us. And so one particular Tuesday, we're driving down the interstate. Andrew and I have just played basketball, so we're hangry, you know, and we're driving and I'm terrible with directions. Like I said, I should know how to get to Buffalo Wild Wings. We go there weekly, right? And we're driving down the interstate. I've got it pulled up on my phone just because I, I can't, I still don't know my way around. Uh, but in that moment, we're driving, and I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to turn off my maps. I'm good. I'm going to follow myself. I'm going to follow my intuition. And I do that. About five minutes later, exit right there, boom. Mazda just keeps on going, zooming down the road. <laughs> and Andrew at that point has just had it, and so he's dead silent. When Andrew gets really mad, he gets dead silent. And so I'm like, okay, I got to turn off on the exit, turn off on the exit, U-turn, stop and go traffic on the other side. We were an hour and a half late to our Buffalo Wild Wings Club. Maybe that's the reason why we got kicked out. But in that moment, I, I messed up big time. And why is that? Because I chose, hey, I can follow myself. I know which way I'm going. As we begin here in Psalm 23, this is a pivotal point I want us to understand and build off of as we teach and, and preach through this text and lean into the word of God tonight. It's this, that who we proclaim as our shepherd is going to determine the very path that you take. The proclamation of your heart of who you're truly following determines the path that you're going to take. And 
we can narrow it down to this surreal point is it's either going to lead you to the throne of God or it's going to lead you in the complete opposite direction. Who you proclaim as shepherd determines the path that you take. David here, the author of this passage, makes it very clear who's he, who he is proclaiming as shepherd. And I want to make it very clear for all of us that David isn't writing this passage in a season of sunshine and rainbows. David in this passage is at the lowest of lows. It's called a valley season. David is in a valley season. He's lost his son. He's lost his baby son. He's lost his throne. And literally he's being chased and pursued and people want his very head. Like they want to kill him. And he hasn't done anything wrong. It's all unjustly placed upon him. And so he is literally running from cave to cave, being hunted and having lost so much. And in Psalm 22, as we build up to Psalm 23, David is literally crying out, God, where are you? God, why don't you hear me? God, if you're there, listen to me, hear my cry. God, just open up your ears to me. And we land after that. In Psalm 23, and at the very core of David's heart, when he's broken down, when he's shattered, when he has nowhere else to go, this is what he proclaims. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The very song of David's heart, that's what Psalms, Psalm means right there, it's song. The song of David's heart was proclaiming the Lord as shepherd. David proclaims, God is my shepherd. And because of this, I shall not want. In a valley season, in a point in David's life where he has absolutely nothing, he is making the plea that God is his shepherd. And my challenge to you is to search yourself tonight. At the very core of who you are, who are you proclaiming as shepherd? At the very core of your heart, who are you proclaiming as your guiding light, as your leader in your life. It's easy to maybe have outer parts of your life that make it clear, okay, I'm a Christian, I go to church, I'm involved. But at the core of who you are, David here is ripped down to the very core. At the core of who you are, who is your shepherd? It's an important question to ask yourself, who am I really following? The life that I'm living, the choice that I'm making, the people I'm hanging around with, the decisions I'm using to spend my time or to invest where I'm investing my money or what I'm prioritizing the most, who am I following? And that very proclamation determines the very path that you take in life. And we need to understand, obviously through this word, that the only one that we can follow and find fulfillment and hope and peace and joy at the end is our Lord. And David here makes it very clear that he is following him. And we're going to see the reasons for that. And it only gets better and better and better as we journey through this passage. And so as we begin here, we understand that the very path that we take is determined by the proclamation of our heart. And when we choose to follow God, when you are proclaiming God as your shepherd, this is what it means for you. It means that God first goes before us and he restores us along the way. Let's see here in the passage, this is what David proclaims. He says, 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in passive righteousness for his name's sake. God goes before us and leads us. And where does he lead us? He leads us to green pastures. And what does that mean? It means abundance. God leads us to a place of abundance. And it doesn't make sense why David would say that. Why in the world, when David is riddled of everything else, he has, he has literally lost everything. And the first proclamation that he's making when he follows God is that God goes before him and leads him to abundance. Because the abundance that God provides us is so much deeper than the material things of this world. Even through love of family and friends, deep things in this world, God provides us so much more. He provides us abundance through his very presence as he goes before us and he leads us. So God is leading us here. It's a picture of a shepherd leading sheep to green pastures. Abundance, a place of abundance. And not only that, but he, along the way, is leading them to still waters and restoring their soul. So God leads us to this place of abundance. And at the beginning of the green pastures, he makes us lie down. And what that means, what David is saying here, is that God leads us to a place of such abundance that we don't need to go anywhere else. We don't need to search for anything more. He is all that we truly need. And knowing the background of sheep, sheep are honestly just is helpful for us to know. They are dumb animals and they are completely helpless. So it's no mistake that it's chosen here, this analogy between a shepherd and his sheep. And it's not easy to make sheep lie down. Sheep only lie down when they feel safe because they have no protection. They can't protect themselves. They can't fight for themselves. And so when they feel safe, they're able to lie down here. And God is saying, hey, we can lie down in him. He leads us to such a place that even in the valley of valleys type of season here, we're able to lay down and find abundance in him. And not only that, but he leads us to peace. Still waters here. It's not a flowing active river. It's not Niagara Falls. It's not a massive waterfall. It is still waters. It's a picture of peace. God is leading us to peace. When you choose to prioritize him and to follow him, he leads your heart to peace. And not only that, but along that way, he's restoring your soul. It's not this process where God leaves you alone and says, I've given you what you need here, green pastures. I've given peace to your heart, peace to your soul. He says, no, along this way, I'm going to restore your soul. And so as we follow God and pursue him. This is what's happening to us as Christians. He's restoring us. Every single day we wake up, his mercies are new for us. We know that the process of sanctification is not an easy one, it's a painful one. But in that process, we are being restored and made more and more like him. And that is the hope that we have. A picture of heaven where we will be, but a picture that we get to experience now as he restores us. And so he's a good shepherd that goes ahead of us, but along that way, he is restoring our hearts. And so even here in difficult seasons, David having nowhere else to turn, he has hope because even in this difficult season, God is doing what? He's restoring his soul. And that's what God is doing for you, for me, for us, even in painful moments. 
Even if you're here and you're in a good season, God is continually restoring your soul. That's what it means to follow him. That's what it means to be a Christian. He is shaving us down, our flesh, our sinful nature. He is making us more and more like him. It is just immense hope. And where is the end of that path? Where is he leading us? He's leading us towards righteousness. At the very end of that path, he leads us to a place of righteousness, our ultimate goal, our ultimate hope. That is where God is leading you. And David here is reminding us that God as our shepherd is the only one that knows the way. Nothing else that you follow is going to lead you to this. Nothing else that you follow is going to lead you to green pastures or peace or restore your soul along the way, or have that final destination of righteousness. I know it can be tempting, it can be hard, thinking, hey, maybe that relationship, maybe getting that person to date me and then getting married at this time, that's gonna be peace and abundance. And at the very end, I'm gonna experience that ultimate satisfaction. That's what I truly need. Or popularity, whether it be on campus or on social media, that's what I truly need. That's what my heart is craving. And so when I get that, I'm going to be where I need to be. Or maybe it's that job. When I get that job and when I make that salary, that's when I'm going to be good. That's when I'll check the box. That's when I'll be in a place of abundance. We need to understand very clearly that there is only one person who leads us to this place, and it is God himself. And this process, we know it isn't accomplished by a life that is self-indulgent. One where we pursue what we want to pursue. David here has lost everything and sometimes that's what it takes for us as Christians. And that's where God calls us daily. I mean, it could look like a literal life that has lost everything, but it also is just a figurative heart moment where we lay down everything that we desire, everything that we crave, everything that we want, and we lay it at the feet of God and we say, I am going to follow after you and you are going to lead the way because I know you are the only one that will lead me on the path that I need to go. And so maybe you're here and you find yourself at a crossroads chasing all these different rabbits, going down all these different paths, figuring out the way on your own. I want you to hear very clearly that there is only one person that will lead you and lead you faithfully, and that is the Lord himself. Not only does God go before us, it continues to get better. God also joins alongside us. We know here where David is, and and God is joining alongside him. So it's not just this picture of God going before us and saying, try to catch up, or, or, hey, I'm, I'm in front of you and, and you just keep following me like this follow the leader. Or like if I go on a run with somebody and I'm running and I'm just out of shape and I'm like, hey, let's just go a mile. And next thing I look up and they're like, I mean, multiple, like half a mile in front of me, you know, like, hey, maybe, I mean, maybe it's only me that goes through that. But it's, it's a, a picture that we need to understand is not true with God and following him. It's not this game of catch up. God not only goes before us, but he joins alongside us. And where does he join alongside us? He joins alongside us in the very valley. So even in our darkest days and our darkest moments, God is joining alongside us in every single moment of our life. Every single avenue of your heart, every single insecurity that is weighing on you, everything that you think maybe nobody else cares about, and maybe nobody else does care about it, but I, I, I promise you this, God does. Maybe it's that thing that you just can't shake, that addiction that has just a hold on you. God is joining along 
beside you. And he's pleading with you to let go of the shame, to let go of the guilt, to let go of the weight that is only from the enemy and to say, lay it at my feet. I'm here with you. I'm joining alongside you. And because of that, what does David say? Again, remembering where David is, right? David is in a valley season. I mean, like if I could like dig, I mean, I don't know, like a hundred yards underground. That's where David is. Like a valley season doesn't even describe it. And what does David say? He says, I will fear no evil because what? You are with me. The nature of this psalm, it's written in this form, it's called a chiasm. And what a chiasm means in scripture is that the text mirrors itself and it reflects on a main point. And so in understanding that God joins alongside us in the valley, we get a picture here through this text, through this chiasm, as it mirrors this one point. We will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. The central point of Psalm 23 is this, Emmanuel. God, you are with me. God, you are with us. We see it in the Old Testament through the tabernacle, right? God desiring to dwell with his people. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that we follow. A God that desires to draw near to you. A God that desires to be a friend. A God that desires for you to lay out your heart for him. A God that cares about every single detail of your life. But what it truly means to faithfully follow God is to give him that avenue of your heart. Whatever it takes and whatever you have to lay down, that is what God wants. Because he's with you every single step of the way. Emmanuel, God with us. It's why Paul and Silas imprisoned, right? We know that time in the early church, they're imprisoned and I mean, there's no hope. I mean, they're in a dark prison cell. They have guards all around them. Massive earthquake comes. You think, okay, they're going to run out of the prison cell. They stay in the prison cell. They stay in the prison preaching and sharing the gospel. Many come to know the Lord because of that. And it highlights one specific point that Paul and Silas understood. That even though they were in the very heart of the prison in a prison cell, God was with them. The earthquake that we see all throughout scripture is parallel to the point that God is making to us that he is with us. And so even if you find yourself in an uncomfortable season, an uncomfortable situation, don't lose hope. Don't believe the lies of the enemy saying, turn around, turn away. This faith isn't real. This God isn't real but instead lean into who he is, Emmanuel, God with us. And not only Emmanuel, El Roy, the God who sees, the God who knows, the God who has experienced everything that we experience. So we have hope knowing that God joins alongside us. You know, when Emerson was two months old, she was going, I mean, every single week, it's almost like we have a new baby because she's just growing so fast. But when she was two months old, she started going through this development where she really wanted to be around us. And now she still does that. Like if we leave the room, she cries. She still wants to be around us. But it was like really severe. Like she wanted to see us. She was starting to understand like we're her caretakers. And I remember this one specific moment. I was in the living room with her and I had to go get like a water or go hit on my golf net or something. And <laughs> very important. And she started crying. I'm in the kitchen. I hear her crying. And I just walk over to her and instantly when she sees me, 
her eyes lighten up. Instead of tears, she smiles and she laughs and she starts giggling. And it was a picture to me of what God does with us. All Emmy needed in that moment was for me to be near. All she wanted was her dad to draw near to her and for her to see my presence, for her to know that I was there with her in the room. As she's discovering this new world and it's scary and all this stuff, the scents, the smells, the uh, same thing as scents, uh, the, the objects, the, the touch, all of these different things. And all she wanted was for her dad to draw near. And that is what God does for us. You, his child, his son, his daughter. God draws near to you. And I know sometimes you, you can't understand why things are happening. You can't understand why you're in a certain season or he's maybe not providing this that you really want, that you feel like you need, that you feel like will give you everything. But know that he's with you and all that we need is his presence. And because God is with us, we will fear no evil. So God joins alongside us. And because of that, we will fear no evil. And Deepening our understanding of this, we need to understand further what happens here. It says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. This is huge for us. So as God comes alongside us, it's not just, you know, knowing that his presence is enough, is, is enough, but he goes even further in that and he builds a table amongst our enemies. It's this picture here. You've been to a family table, right? A family gathering. You sit down at a table. What it's a picture of is that people are gathering around the table and they are planting themselves there. And what God does with us is he makes a table amongst our enemies, planting himself with us, saying, I'm here. We're going to see this through. I'm making a table with you and I'm going to see this through. And not only that, but he anoints our head with oil. And where does he anoint our head with oil? David's very specific here. He anoints our head with oil amongst our enemies. It's all happening amongst our enemies. And it's a picture that nothing conquers the glory of God. Nothing will surpass him. Nothing will defeat him. God is the one who has claimed the victory. God is the one who has already won. And God is the only one that can save and restore your soul. And God here, or through David's words, we see God's power being shown off that enemies don't phase him. Difficult seasons don't phase him. Instead, in that, he's anointing us and he's still calling us. And so in those seasons, we don't operate with discouragement or fear or isolation, but instead we operate with empowerment, knowing that we have his very spirit calling us to go deeper, to stay in that very prison cell. And we live as anointed children in this life, no matter what we face, living in a life that is difficult, swimming upstream in a culture that's going downstream, right? We face it with anointing on our head and with a God that has made a table with us. And not only does he join alongside us, but he goes above us and fixes our eyes on heaven. And I hope you're picking up on this. All these different places where God goes, right? He goes before us. He joins alongside us. And then he goes above us and fixes our eyes on heaven. It's a picture of what? A sovereign God. Everywhere where we, we need him, everywhere where our heart is craving for him to be, He's there. He's sovereign. He's over all. He's in all. And he is through all. And so we know that there isn't an avenue of our heart that God won't provide and he won't heal. So God goes above us and he sets our eyes on heaven. Let's see what that looks like. It looks like this. 
Surely goodness and mercy mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We know our final destination as children of God, don't we? We know where God is eventually calling us and where we will be with him in heaven. We will dwell, we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is the picture that we have. That is what God sets our eyes on. And so in this season, David, again, overwhelmed, immense pain, immense struggle. And God takes his eyes and he fixes them on heaven. He goes above and he says, hey, remember you are dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. And it's something we long for, spending eternity with God in heaven, but it's something we experience now through the very presence of God and the spirit that is alive and well in us We experience the taste of this eternity now. And so as we go through this life, nothing can phase us, nothing can throw us down, nothing can conquer us because God is reminding us of where our ultimate destination is. This place is not home. Our life here is not home. Even if things don't go as planned, that's okay because this isn't where we're meant to be. We're meant to be around the throne of God, gathering and singing and glorifying his name. And that is our ultimate destination and our ultimate home. And if you're here today and you're unsure of that, you're like, I don't know if that's where I'm headed. I don't know if, if I'm in, on that path and I don't think I have that hope of dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. Know that God has given us this free gift to know him that his very self, his son, Jesus Christ, died on the cross for us. He became human flesh, fully human, fully God, to die for us on a wooden cross, to die as a thief and to be raised as a king. And with that, we have a free invitation to follow him and to cling to him and to claim that destination of dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. And after this passage, David continues to build in that. In Psalm 25, in Psalm 26, in Psalm 27, in Psalm 28, David is building off of that proclamation. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And it's a picture as David goes into immense praise of who God is. And so we rest in that knowing that God is with us, God is guiding us, and that God goes above us and sets our eyes on heaven. The very path that you choose to follow determines the destination that you will end up. And my prayer for all of us is to understand that the the path that we are meant to be on, the path that we need to be on, is the path that leads towards the throne of God. And it's available to us today in this psalm through the very journal of David. I mean, this is literally like David's active living spiritual journal here for us as he's written so many of these Psalms and we lean on them in this authentic relationship that he has with God. We see what it really means to follow God as shepherd, to trust him and to know where our final destination is. And that's our hope. That's why as Christians, we're able to sing in immense pain. That's why as Christians, we're able to preach hope in funerals. That's why as Christians, we're able to cling to the hope of the gospel and no matter what season we face. For me personally, this has been probably one of the most difficult seasons of my life. And some days it's been hard to get out of bed. Some days I, I, I don't understand what God's doing and I don't know how I'm gonna go forward. I've watched as my dad has wrestled with addiction over and over and over again. And now as the addiction's coming to a point where it's literally killing him, And all I can do is watch 
I think so much I, I've, I've tried to fix it and I've tried to be like, okay, God, evidence of you being here is gonna be seeds of evidence, fruit of, of evidence leading towards a path towards restoration towards my dad. And I, I've understood something so much deeper that following God is not about getting to a destination. It's not about fixing everything in front of you. It's not about getting right. It's not about defeating that addiction and then coming to God. But somebody shared a story with me. It was a dad meeting with a son in college and he was meeting with his son at Baumhauer's on Valentine's Day because nobody goes to Baumhauer's on Valentine's Day. And they were sitting at the table and his son was just talking about the loneliness, the fear, the isolation, the struggles that he was having at school. And all the while they're talking, the dad is there and he's like, okay, I need to get my son to a place, a destination. Like I need to fix him, right? And that doesn't happen. They don't really get to a place of resolve through that dinner. And so they're going out to the parking lot and the dad's defeated and he's walking out and him and his son hug goodbye. And he told me in that moment, my son, my son clung to me just a little bit tighter. And he said, I realized the purpose of that dinner was not to get to a destination, but for my son to realize that he needs his father and to cling to him just a little bit more. And so no matter what season you're in, no matter where God has you, this is the heart that we're to have. It's not about getting to a destination. It's not about being a Pharisee. It's about being fully dependent upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you in that place tonight? Father, we're immensely thankful that you love us, that you come alongside us. God, may we trust in you through this anthem God, Psalm 23, knowing that you are with us. God, thank you for the hope of the gospel. Thank you for your love. Father, in this time of reflection, may we hear from you and may we respond to you. God, you are holy. We are not, but God, you, through your blood, you have made us worthy. And let us cling to that. Father, it's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Oxano Podcast. If you're interested in the songs that we sing, you can find us on Spotify at Oxano Songs We Sing. If you have more questions about what it means to follow Jesus or about next steps in following Him, please email us at connect at dawsonchurch.org. We'll see you next week.